everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the IA Cast. My name is Michael Dowies, and I'm here with Jason Earls. Hello. Aliyah Dudley. my voice cracks. <laughs> Hello. And Matt Durkins. It's been a while since you've been here. Yeah, hi guys. It's nice to be back. Yeah. So, we have a very packed show for you guys today, so let's get right into the news. So, last Thursday, Twitter had a lot of things happen they caused some of it other people caused some of it but you know the biggest thing was the the i think we talked about it last week when they decided to turn off a lot of apis Can that we play the the funeral dirge because <sighs> like third-party clients are pretty much useless now a lot of uh watch apps are not working they have in- disabled them and removed them completely and I've heard that uh, OpenTween, is it OpenTween? Yeah, their direct message support doesn't even work anymore. So, they released an update. I think they, they might have fixed it. Yeah. And I heard that Night Owl got an update for some new features. It did. But, uh, basically, well, it's not new features, <laughs> really. Well, I, I mean, heard, other than the longer tweets. Yeah, the long, it, that's, it's stuff that it should have had yeah. for a long time. Right. Still no quoted tweet support. Nope. Nope. But what are y'all's thoughts on this? I don't like it. I really, I, I just, and it's not, I, I know a lot of people have said, oh, this is a, an accessibility thing. It's not. Mainstream people are affected by this too. And it's a reality that Twitter clients, you know, take the Mac, for example. There's no Twitter client for the Mac. And so you're stuck with no notifications on your Mac at all. And that's not cool. If you, you know, if you use that in a professional environment to monitor, monitor social media, that's a problem. And the Windows client itself only supports one account. So I just, it seems like they crippled a lot of their service there. Well, as someone who has multiple accounts, I have about four four or five accounts. That is a huge problem. And, Aaliyah, you're right. The The Mac app for Twitter is now gone. The only ones you have left is essentially Twitterific and Night Owl, and all these features are going away, and Twitterific and Tweetbot, on iOS anyway, were specifically mentioned. One thing that I don't really understand is why was it, why is Twitter going to charge so much money for only 300 accounts for specific apps, uh, platforms for their APIs, for their new activity APIs. I can't remember exactly how much it was, but it was a lot of money in like the thousands for just 300 accounts. It was absolutely insane. And I remember, you know, because some people are like, oh, well, we're not getting notifications anymore, which it is is horrible. I, I don't like that we're not getting notifications. But with streaming anyway... Back in 2010, we didn't have streaming. We didn't have streaming for a long time. I don't even remember what year we got streaming accounts. But I know, you know, for a long time, it didn't even exist. And now that it's going away, that hashtag breaking my Twitter was a hashtag, but nothing really, nothing happened with it. It just kind of was there. And people were expressing their frustrations and, 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 and issues with Twitter. And yeah, it does, it does suck that we are losing notifications, and and like you said, Aaliyah, if you're monitoring social media professionally, 
this is really going to hinder a lot of folks. But I do want to say on that, keep in mind, yes, we didn't have streaming and all those in 2010, but it's been eight years. You know, we get new features, we get these new things, and we come to rely on these things. And when they remove these things, you know, after eight years of use, you know, we expect those to be there. And when you build something that makes your, you know, that's an essential part of your platform, and you say, oh, we're taking this away. You're going back to how things were before. You know, it makes a lot of users question, well, do we want to stay on this platform? Or do we want to look at other more, quote, modern things? Like, you know, uh, we've been playing around here with uh, Mastodon. Silly name, great service. So it it makes people really hesitate in using Twitter on top of the other news that came out. It doesn't matter where you stand on this issue. It's a policy discussion. Um, you know, they have this whole hashtag Deactiday where a lot of people are deactivating their Twitter accounts because of policies of Twitter removing some users and not others for hate speech. So... I noticed Thursday morning when both of these things happened, I woke up with 11 less followers than I had the night before, which was quite interesting. So it's it's very real, this stuff that's happening with Twitter. And I need to go back and listen to some other podcasts like Daily Tech News Show and others and see what they're saying about all this because I'm sure a lot of podcasts are really having a lot to say. You know what it reminds me of? It almost reminds me of when a developer has an app in the app store that's paid, decides to make the app free, and then decides to make the app paid again in some ways. Just just, just the reaction that everybody's having to it, it's, it kind of makes me think of that. Since you have to pay, I guess, to access the new APIs that Twitter is using, right? The 300 accounts thing. Yeah, and Twitterific even specifically said, we cannot afford this, so we are not going to be able to access this for our users. And that was just a huge blow for, for them and a lot of all these uh, other clients. And, and yeah, I can, I can see that where, you know, where you're coming from, Jay. And I know a lot of folks who are leaving Twitter because of this. And, and I have a friend, actually, who uh, that hashtag, Mike, you were talking about, he was, uh, he was talking about it. And he's, he's big into politics and and whatnot, and some other things, and he was saying, you know, I've had several people say, oh, you know, you got unfollowed by me, or I unfollowed you, or it wasn't my fault, because Twitter did it, and, and you know, he, he said, you know, this is happening to me, and other people that I follow, and we're just trying to get word out, it wasn't even hate speech, it was just different opinions on things. Wow. Well, I think Michael's right. It all goes back to a policy issue. I know there are people who are talking about, oh, well, we don't want tech companies to be able to make decisions on what we can and can't say. We have free speech and all that stuff. I don't think it's a question of that. I think it's it's just what you said. It's a question of being consistent on your policies and what you will and will not allow on your your network because part of the issue is there are some people who have been kicked off the network for less and 
you know, now that there's there are people that have a lot of status and a lot of sway over people who are getting away with things that other people didn't get away with. I personally, I just I, I just think it's an issue of consistency. Yeah. And and we are going to leave all of that alone on this podcast because we're just here to report the news. But I think, you know, we don't know what goes on behind the closed doors at Twitter. We just don't. And we don't know why they're, do they're doing these things. But it feels like they're hurting a lot of their, I wouldn't say customers, because we're not their, custos, their customers, guys. Remember that we are not the people that they're selling to. You know, the, the businesses and other organizations are who Twitter is really focused on. And so we don't know why they're doing what they're doing, but as users of the platform, we don't like it. Or most, most people don't, a lot of people don't even notice this guys. You know, a lot of people just use Twitter on their mobile phones and it, this doesn't phase them. They just use the main app and they go ar around, you know, about their business. So I think the folks that are more advanced are the ones being hurt about, you know, by this because they do more advanced things with Twitter. And, I mean, just think, you know, the businesses who use this will be hurt. So, we again, we know nothing of why they're doing these things. You know, they owned a product called TweetDeck that they discontinued. So, it's hard to say what's going on. All right. Do you guys have any final comments on this topic before we move on? The only thing I have to say is is, is kind of joking, kind of serious, is I wonder how long it will take Twitter to possibly say, oh my goodness, this was a horrible idea. We're going to put things back the way they were and let's just put this behind us. I wonder if they'll ever do that, you know, realize that this might have been a bad move and 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 go back to the way it was before or if they're just going to, you know, leave it the way it is. But I've actually played with the Twitter app on iOS uh, a little bit for my professional account, and it's okay. It works. It gets the job done. But I really do prefer Twitterific. It's just so much more intuitive and so much easier to use, in my opinion. Well, you know, they have discontinued a lot of the older APIs that they used for streaming and other things like that. Isn't that right, Elia? Yes, that's correct. They were claiming that on the 9 to 5 Mac article that I saw, which in turn was, I believe, a tech cruncher or some other article with an email. It was a giant game of telephone. But anyway, essentially, Twitter claimed that the APIs that were being used were 10-year-old betas of things that just weren't supported anymore. So yeah, I doubt that stuff is coming back. So I wish the magical notification fairy would come along and develop something that, that did work that they would be able to roll out to, to developers for not thousands of dollars. I'm sorry, but that's ridiculous. Yeah, I just don't understand why they're charging so much and at all for these APIs. I don't understand their rationality behind it. I'll tell you why. It's because it costs so much for the servers and different things to keep these things going that they can't afford to you know keep these things going without charging. And I think that it will honestly be expensive for them to do that to make new APIs and have them work because you know people tweet several times a, you know a minute in some cases, some of the crazier 
faster posting users. So it that's why they want to charge for it. And they don't want to charge the users. They want to charge the people making the platform. Yeah, and I, I think I heard on a podcast or I read an article. or I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was one or the other. And they had broken it down, and it was essentially saying that if if an individual person were to get notifications with Twitter's new model of payment, each user would have to spend $10 a month just for notifications. Wow. All right. Let's move on to something a little more exciting. So Verizon is offering a very cool reward or, you know, rewards program. I think it's called Verizon Up, where they are offering six months free Apple Music to their unlimited customers. Now, this works kind of weirdly because we have a family plan, right? So what we have to do is cancel all of our current subscriptions, change it to Verizon, and then after six months, go back. So that's kind of wonky. But yeah, it's done by the phone line. So each line gets its own Apple Music subscription. So what are y'all's thoughts on this? I think it's kind of cool. What are they going to do after the six months, though? They charge from your line. So each line pays 10 bucks. Oh, weird. So no more, but that, see, but for the family music, like the subscribers who have a, a family plan and who subscribe as a family, that's a little, that's a lot more expensive. It is. So what we're planning to do is to, after six months, we're going to cancel that service and move back to the family plan, which is what I would advise other families to do. So I think the only slight inconvenience to this would be just having to cancel and then reset up your Apple Music subscription. It's 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 similar to the T-Mobile Netflix deal where you had to go into Netflix and change your payment method, although you didn't actually have to unsubscribe to Netflix in order to make those changes. So, I don't know. It's 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 too bad Verizon there there's not just a way for you to be able to just opt in without having to make any changes and then opt out or keep it when you're done. I remember it was either last year or a couple years ago, and I don't know if this is still a thing because I'm not on this particular network, but in Canada, uh, Rogers, which is one of the big phone companies here, they were offering a year of Spotify premium to their customers. And I don't know if it was it was a promotion for like back, to, I think it was a back to school promotion. And uh, you would sign up with Rogers and they would give you the, like I said, the one year of of premium and then it would just go away and then you'd have to sign back up but you know that's i wonder if with the apple music uh because by default if you're new you get three months free so i wonder if you get three months free plus if you're with verizon you sign up with them then you get six months free so then you almost get about you almost get a year of apple music for free i don't know if they will stack like that that'd be interesting you know uh that's that warrants some googling. So some other Verizon news that is pretty interesting is they are starting to roll out their 5G support in four markets. So Jason, you were the one who brought us that topic. So you want to talk about talk about that? Sure. 
So Verizon has started the process of launching their 5G network. It's going to be launched in four markets initially. Indianapolis, which is my market, yes. Uh, Sacramento and Los Angeles, as well as Houston. I keep wanting to say Austin, but it is Houston. And um, it's it's going to be interesting because I gather what's going to happen is they're also setting up like a residential home internet 5G service that people will be able to subscribe to. If you subscribe to the service, you will be able to choose between YouTube TV or the Apple TV 4K, which is kind of interesting. I'm wondering if Verizon is going to be one of the providers to allow you to use your Apple TV essentially as a cable box when tvOS 12 comes out. That'll be really neat. And depending on what speeds and plans and pricing is available because nothing has been announced yet, I might end up switching over because honestly, I'm getting really tired of dealing with inconsistent speeds in our internet that we are paying for. So I'm hoping it's going to be about the same price as this. Plus, when Verizon was doing their testing, at least in Speedway, which is a part of Indianapolis, you guys may know it, you know, the Indy 500, they were, there was a driver that they were uh, driving around. And um, one of the things they did was they eventually ended up having him drive around the track using nothing but a video feed and VR. And he was able to uh, safely drive around the track because the latency was low enough that it worked. And I think they said they were able to reach network speeds of about 6 gigabits per second. And that is gigabits with low latency. So that's insane. I mean, I don't think that like home residential subscribers are necessarily going to see those speeds. But I would be happy with 1 gigabit. Okay? I would be happy with just consistent speeds. But that's outside of the story. Sounds like the Black but, yeah, Panther I'm... movie where the girls... <laughs> Where the girls in the room drive uh, with a simulator when the guys in there drive the car. I haven't actually seen the movie, but Very good I'm definitely movie. excited to see what's what's going to come up come of this 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 five G stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. I want to see if it comes to Austin. Well, as many times as I end up saying Austin when I mean Houston, maybe it'll be like Beetlejuice <laughs> and it'll be true. <laughs> so some interesting tech news that was announced is Samsung is coming out with their own smart speaker. And Aaliyah, you were reading up on that before the show, so why don't you talk about that one? I don't know much about it and and kind of other than it looks like a fondue pot, apparently. Well is it what <laughs> didn't you say there were several types or was it no, just one? No. Interesting. It was just one. It's called the Galaxy Home, I think. Yes, that's what I saw. Yeah, and it's supposed <gasps> to try and compete with um, other popular speakers, but uh, there's not much known about it. There's not even a release date, a price point, nothing. We just know it's going to be running Bixby. Yes. Well, here's the question. How reliable is Bixby? So Bixby is nice. It works really well, but... I don't know how useful it's going to be on a speaker. I, I just don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they come up with. Typically, accessibility aside, their products are usually pretty good when they make something come to market. You know, the glasses I use, the Patriot Viewpoint, is made out of uh, Samsung hardware, and it does amazing things. So we'll see what they make. And our last news topic, finally, of the day is not one that's positive. 
apparently Google is able to track what you're doing even with and where you're going even with location services for their apps off on iOS and Android. This has been pretty big in the news and they have been doing it. So I'm not sure I'm a big fan of that. If you turn those things off, they should not have any tracking ability. Yeah, I totally agree. I also saw an article from, I think, 9to5Google or 9to5Mac, one of them, that said that if you turned them off as well, your Google Assistant wouldn't work either. And I do not agree with that whatsoever. I, Well, I don't agree with them tr- you know, still being able to track you even though stuff is off. That is a huge issue in my books. If you turn it off, you should have it off and it should stay off. And, you know, people have that choice for a reason. But if the Google Assistant doesn't work because the location is off and, tra- you know, that doesn't sound right. I mean, I understand if some aspects wouldn't work, but actually saying that it won't work because this location stuff is off, that's a little bit strange to me. And how did all this get hidden from Apple? Because I feel like they would have had something to say about it if they had known. And that's assuming that they don't know. I don't know. I mean, when developers make apps, you know, Apple goes through and reviews all the apps that go in the store, but they can't see everything. And if they can't find where this is happening in the app, then they can't, you know, say anything. But there's, you know, Facebook used to keep their app open by keeping the microphone active. And so there's ways that these companies can do these things under the radar. And I don't like that kind of development and marketing and and making people not aware of what you're actually doing. You know, this is what the GDPR in Europe is trying to keep from happening. But uh, yeah, this is that's pretty crazy. Well, my thing is how like how is Google still able to track you? If it's off, you know what I mean. What what are the, what uh, what are they doing to continuously still track if if your location is still off? Well, there's there's ways. I mean, it also comes down to are you turning it off in the app or are you turning it off in settings? Also, even if you have it off in settings, they could look at your phone and get information about your phone. They could look at what you're browsing. They can scrape Safari and get all these things, you know, just from going to websites. Or there are other hacks, I'm sure, kind of like the microphone hack that they can exploit that we just don't know about yet. So there there are ways. So as usual, we'll have links to all this in the show notes. So you can learn more there. All right. With all of that in mind we decided to try a bit of an experiment at iAccessibility. And there is a social networking platform called Mastodon where you can actually set up your own instance of the network. And we did that to see, for one, if it can be done, and for us to have a technology community discussion area for all users of iAccessibility and our listeners and everybody else. So you can go to social.iaccessibility.net and register. Mastodon is very much like Twitter, except for there's different instances 
and instead of tweets, they're toots, which I think is just hilarious. And very neat platform. And each instance is almost like a little social network community that then reaches out to other communities. So, uh, like, we're linked to mastodon.social and other places, and you can kind of see what people on those networks are, are saying, and it's just very interesting. So, check it out, social.iaccessibility.net. All right, so on to the main topic of today, and that is to talk about automation. So, iOS 12 and Android Pie just came out. iOS 12 is going to come out next month. And both of these offer new features and new services. And each operating system offers ways to automate your tasks. On Android, it's called Tasker. It's been around for a while. And they have other programs. But iOS has had something called Workflow for quite a while. Now, Apple has purchased that program and has renamed it to Shortcuts. You know, they made a lot of statements of calling it Siri Shortcuts and different things like that at the keynote, but it's just called Shortcuts. And it doesn't even require Siri. And you can do all kinds of crazy things on your iPhone and iPad to make yourself more productive on these devices. So, have any of you guys used Workflow? I used it a long time ago, before long before iOS 12 betas were available, but I haven't really used it extensively since then. I have. I've used it on my iPhone and my iPad. Uh, it's a little bit more easier to use on the iPad than it is the iPhone because of the dual screen for the iPad versus uh, having separate pages on the iPhone. I've used it, but I haven't gone into huge with it. I played around with it, but... Nothing impressive. So Workflow, what it did was it let you take a lot of different things and chain them together for a, a result. And we've talked about it on the show before. But now it is shortcuts. And apps will be able to take more advantage of shortcuts. And so you will be able to do different things from your your today's screen your share screens and different things like that. So, I mean, I had a workflow set up to almost post a podcast just after recording. It would convert it, post it to WordPress and do all kind, you know, FTP, everything. Very powerful. And we're going to start seeing where apps can do that using uh, Siri. You know, you'll be able to activate your shortcuts from a HomePod or the Apple Watch. The only thing I kind of wish they would have is where you could schedule shortcuts. I don't know if that's a thing that you can do. So since we're having all this power on our phones, is there any kind of action you guys would imagine yourselves doing with shortcuts? I could see it working in, in many different ways. It's kind of, I think like workflow is great, but I think I would, I would use it more if, I could tell Siri to, to launch a certain workflow, which obviously shortcuts are similar to that. You know, even things like, you know, looking up certain things or I wish we could get, well, I mean, I wish 
certain apps worked with Siri so that we could get integration with it. But, you know, things like sometimes I'll text an Uber driver that I'm blind and I might need assistance finding them. You know, I wish I could even get that level of detail with it. But, you know, there there are a lot of different things, I think, that that will be cool. Well, I actually have a shortcut, a keyboard shortcut for my with uh, mine with Uber. Uh, if I'm texting a driver, I put in three slashes and it types in the message for me. So you can do that. But yeah, being able to say to Siri, you know, ahoy telephone, text Uber, and it would text the driver. I think the only issue with that is a lot of Uber drivers' numbers are not necessarily the same one you text. I think it texts different numbers. Like I say, I just have a keyboard shortcut for mine. I think what I would like to see with my with uh, shortcuts for me would be more like music and audiobooks and stuff. So I could just say to Siri, you know, play playbook. That's all I would just say, playbook. And it would go into Audible, and it would play the book that I have selected to play. Or it would bring up uh, a dialogue and say, okay, here's your Audible library. What book would you like to read? You know, or you could be specific and say, you know, play... Harry Potter 6, and it would play it from Audible. It would see that you had it in Audible and play it. Same with podcasts. You know, I would love it to be able to say, you know, play Accidental Tech, and it would open up Overcast and play it because it knows that I have it in my subscriptions. Um, I think once developers have more access to it in September, uh, if they're not on the betas, because I know that right now it's a test flight only, I do know it's accessible uh, from what I've been told it is accessible but uh, it's essentially workflow 2.0 uh, you can still get workflow on the app store it is still there it's gettable so you can play with it um, I wonder if previous workflows will actually restore over to shortcuts so if you have like 10 12 20 workflows will you have to recreate them or will they automatically appear since you already had them before I can actually answer that you do keep them and it transfers over Oh, cool. That is fantastic. Something I would want to see is the ability for me to be extremely lazy and have Siri adjust voiceover settings for me. So I could say, hey, assistant, set my speech rate to X percent, you know, 75 percent, 80 percent. Or I could say, turn on screen curtain, turn off screen curtain stuff like that. I think that'd be really cool to be able to do with shortcuts. Jay, you bring up a really good point. That actually would be fantastic for those people, you know, those folks who have uh, trouble with uh, their fingers with using the rotor. I have a few students who seem to just not be able to get that gesture. And so, you know, it would be interesting to be able to say to Siri, like you said, speech rate, screen curtain, but also, you know, set voice over to lines or words but I don't know how that would work because that would just be like, I wonder if you could, how you could actually incorporate that into a, into a shortcut. Yeah. Cause like I, it would be so cool to be able to be like, you know, add, I don't know, images to my rotor or remove static text from my rotor. For instance, I think stuff like that would be amazing. Well, and another thing, what about long commutes? So let's use that example they used at the WWDC where <coughs> she said, on my way home or whatever and you know it texted a roommate it opened up maps and gave her directions and it opened up her playlist 
I wonder how limited that's going to be when it gets started, and then I wonder how it will be when it gets going. Because if you if you say, I'm on my way, and or, or, or I'm heading out here. So like, let's say, let's I'll use Tim Hortons. So if I say, okay, I'm heading out to Tim Hortons, if it opened up either Blind Square or Google Maps with the directions if I needed it, for example, and then it texted someone and said, yep, I'm on my way out to Tim Hortons. I'll see you when I get there. And then opened up Spotify or Apple Music or something. You know, being able to tie that in together will be fantastic and amazing when it actually is released and more customizable, if if they even give you the option. You know, who knows? We might not uh, we might not be able to use Google Maps with, with this type of shortcut. Yeah, and, and one of the things that limits it from competition like uh, Tasker is you can't have shortcuts run on system events, which is what I would love. One of the things that you can get to is it'll tell you system information like IP address, battery, all those things. But like one of the things I do on my computer is I have it speak when I unplug the battery. And I wish you could schedule things or have it to where you could do that with shortcuts. And I think once we get to that point, it'll be truly powerful. But, you know, you can now add things to Siri, which is great. You can add them to share sheets or home screen. But I still feel like that's limited. What are y'all's thoughts? I feel like I would have more thoughts if I had a chance to play with shortcuts. But since it's yeah, still in its developer beta. I well, I mean, what I'm looking for is would y'all like more system integration? Like where you could, you know, plug your phone in and have a shortcut run. So, yeah, I think that'd be really cool. One of the things I'd like to be able to do is to, for instance, plug my phone in. And then if it's past a specific time, it would automatically turn on Do Not Disturb for me and open up Nature Space, for instance, and play the track that I want. Because that's pretty much what I do at night so that we have some noise to listen to while we're asleep. I connect to my sound link. So it'd be really cool if I could automate that. It would be cool until the day you forget that it does it automatically and you get scared out of your mind with the Nikolai Thunderstorm. Well, if that's what I played, but I actually use the Indigo Raindrop, but still, that would be that would be so cool. So you know, I wonder because I think Ift can do some system automation stuff. I think their app runs in the background. I wonder if you could change shortcuts with if then then if this then that. That would be interesting. Hmm. We may have to look into that. That would be kind of interesting. I, I haven't really played with IFTTT much, but uh, it seems pretty powerful from what I've looked on, on YouTube, and I've seen some people doing a lot of stuff with, with the Echo and, and stuff with IFTTT. But yeah, if, if, if they can chain that sometime, then that would open up a lot of possibilities because I think there's a lot of apps already that do IFTTT support. So... Aaliyah, have, I know you've messed with some Android stuff. Do you think this kind of puts Apple ahead of the curve or equal or still behind on automation? I don't know. I feel like I haven't messed with enough Android stuff to know that. Um, but, I mean, there are some, some ways you can automate things on Android. And I think you can get to more stuff on Android than you can in iOS. So, 
I would say they're kind of equal in this arena now. One having more advantages, you know, one each platform having its own advantages. Okay. So is this kind of the feature you guys have been looking forward to in iOS 12? Or is there anything else that really has your attention? So honestly, what I've been looking forward to more than anything else was performance enhancements and bug fixes for iOS 12. But when I found out about the existence of shortcuts, I was like, oh my god, I cannot wait to play with this. It sounds like fun. And then they had to go and make it a test flight only developer invite beta. Yeah, and and it will be out, I'm sure, next month. And do y'all think it's going to come on the device or in the App Store? I really hope it comes on the device. I bet it's going to be on I device. I think it's going to be on the App Store. That's what I think. All right, Rebel. <laughs> Why? When it was such a big announcement about features in iOS 12, and I, I really think it's going to come on device. I really do. I mean, maybe, but... I wonder why then they didn't release it to all beta testers and go, here, guys, here's what you can try with Siri shortcuts before the public Be- officially gets it. Because it wasn't I mean, ready. Um, and th- yeah. they would have had to... <laughs> I I think they would have had to release it to the public beta testers as well, and they only wanted developers to have it. So they right. decided to do a test flight build instead. And they could very easily include it into the build because yeah. already... If you remove, quote-unquote, an app from your home screen that is an Apple app, you already have to search for it in the App Store like you do any other app in anyway. So I don't – that's kind of how I assume it's going to work and why there is a test flight build, aside from the fact that they need a test flight build if developers are going to get their hands on it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's possible. I just – I think – I think, and, and, and I'll probably be proven wrong, but I just think that – they are probably going to release it on the App Store. Just again, this is just speculation, but you you could be right, Jay. With them, you know, like you said, you have apps already on the phone or the device, and if you remove them, they're in the App Store already anyway. So yeah, they might be on the device. I I don't know. I just think it'll be on the App App Store. But uh, Michael, regarding what you're excited about for uh, twelve, I I am excited for the Siri shortcuts and. I was also happy to hear about speed and performance, but I was also happy to know that it was going to work with the 5S and up because I still know a lot of people who have the iPhone 5S and the 6 and the 6 Plus and the 6S. You know, they don't have the newest and greatest because they either can't afford it or they just don't want it. So it'll be really awesome to see how a 5S holds up with iOS 12 versus, say, the SE or the 10. Yeah, I think that'll be very, very interesting to see because everything that I've been reading when people talk about running iOS 12 betas on the 5S, they they say it's it's pretty nice. And I think that really speaks to Apple's commitment of supporting their older hardware as opposed to... All right, I'll just say it. Google and Samsung and any other... Well, I can't say any other Android manufacturer, but most of them, I'm sure. Because even the Pixel phones, they only support, what, two years software releases, or is it three? Usually three. Oh, I can't remember. But but even so, like that's, that, that's pretty good. 
Although I do have to say I was also uh, really excited about voice memos syncing with iCloud Drive, although it doesn't seem to be working quite right for me. All right. So does anybody have any final comments before we wrap up today? I'm excited to see how people respond to the new iOS 12 release when it ends up coming out for public use. It'll be uh, very interesting to see once iOS 12 is out the comparison between the two automations with shortcuts and uh, Android Pie automations. Yeah, I I will be interested to do a comparison. So we will definitely do a shortcuts demo cast, folks. So that will be coming out when iOS 12 hits. All right. So that's going to do it for our topic for today. So now let's move into our uh, contact info and our picks. So, Aaliyah, what is your pick this week and where can people find you online? My pick is a neat little game known as Word Rescue. It's been out for a while. I just started kind of playing with it and really getting the hang of it. You find you're given a certain number of letters and you have to find words uh, from those letters. So I was given, I think the first level, you're given three letters and there's two words that you have to find made from those three letters. And if you find extra words, um, you get bonus points and eventually get gold. Um, it's free from the App Store. It's completely accessible. And if you're a word hound like I am, I like words. Um, yeah, get it. Play with it. It's fun. It's kind of addictive. And it has some pretty epic, like, it's got some interesting music. It's a bit repetitive, but um, you can turn the music off, and the sound effects are kind of cool. It meows like a cat every time you get a word right. I'm assuming there are some animated graphics that I'm missing. But, um, anyway, you can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at Aaliyah, that's A-L-E-E-H-A, at iAccessibility.net. And you can follow me on Twitter at BlindCowGirl199. All right. Matt, what is your pick for this week, and where can people find you online? Well, my pick is on the game front. So I can't remember exactly when this website started. I believe it was early 2000-ish, like 2000, 2001 era. era. But it's still around. It's called audiogames.net, and it's now, it, it used to be just Windows games that you could pick from and, and, and play, and there was trials and things available. But it's now a huge repertoire of uh, Windows, Mac, iOS, online games. And let me tell you, I have gone back and downloaded and have played and been playing a bunch of old games that I used to play when I was a kid, like uh, GMA Tank Commander and Hunter, uh, Shades of Doom 1.2. <laughs> uh, I've played a couple other older ones as well uh, and then there's, there's some newer ones that are around too you know you, uh, we did our Eurofly podcast and there's some other new ones that I've been playing uh, by Oriel Gomez and uh, my only kind of complaint with the website is I wish it had categories because like I say back in the day it used to be just audio games for Windows well now it's like four different platforms so it would be kind of nice if you could split them up between platforms but uh yeah, check it out. It's audiogames.net, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a repertoire of games, and there's kind of a community 
as well. They've got forums and discussion topics, and it's pretty neat, pretty neat little site. You can find me producing content for iaccessibility.net. You can email me at matt, M-A-T-T, at iaccessibility.net. And you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Durkins. That's M-A-T-T-D-I-E-R-C-K-E-N-S. All right, Jason, what is your pick of the week and where can people find you? So my pick is the Apple News app. I find that I've been checking it a lot for news ever since it's been released. And I just, I find it a nice source to give you all kinds of different content from different publishers and things like that. So for me, that's that's going to be my pick. People can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at jason at iAccessibility.net. You can also follow me on Twitter at JDE, that's Juliet Delta Echo 91. You can also search for me on Facebook. Just search for Jason Earls. All right. So my pick of the week is, well, we've already talked about it today, Mastodon. It's I, I do not like the name. I don't like the theme. But... I guess they were trying to make it similar but different from Twitter. And, you know, with the whole toots uh, instead of tweets thing as a social network. Uh, it has 500 characters instead of 240 that you can tweet or toot, I guess. And you have different instances that have different rules, different communities. And I like that. I like the decentralized view of that. And each network can talk to each other. So I, I really like it as a social platform. One of the things that I've noticed on that platform that is different from Twitter is that it's very geared towards conversation. A lot of the instances even prohibit promotion of businesses or products. So it's it's kind of a nice, fresh air, like, you could go here to learn, talk, share pictures, and the hashtags are more useful. And I just feel like it's kind of a, a step back to what are social networks meant to be there for, but to be social, not to sell things. And yes, while as a company we like to sell things, I personally feel like it is a platform to build creativity and to build, you know, community. And I really appreciate that. So that's why that's my pick of the week. To find me, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike Doeys. You can find me on Facebook to search for Michael Doeys. If you want to email me, you can at Mike Doeys. That's M-I-K-E-D-O-I-S-E at iaccessibility.net. And you can find all of my content there at the site and at my own personal website of michaeldoeys.com. If you want to find iAccessibility, you can go to iAccessibility.net. We are iAccessibility1 on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for iAccessibility. You can email us at feedback at iAccessibility.net. We have a Patreon just go to patreon.com slash IACast, and we have our official app. Just search for the App Store for iAccessibility, and we're all over the web, and so we really hope that you come and find us. We are on Tumblr. We're all over the place, so please come leave us feedback. We really appreciate all the feedback we get, so 
you know, we're really excited about everything we've been doing. Our Mastodon social network, social.iaccessibility.net. And we have all kinds of neat things coming up in the near future. So it's good stuff. So this is another one down. We'll be back next week for a new episode. So thanks, everybody, for being here. Thanks, everybody, on the stream. We appreciate everybody who puts this podcast together and everybody who listens and who are on the stream. And for all those who out there who leave us feedback, we really appreciate that. So thank you so much. And we'll be back next week for episode 93. Bye, everyone. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye-bye. Copyright 2018, iAccessibility, LLC.